Join our community of self-love leaders on Patreon. Patreon is a platform we're using to provide you with bonus episodes, clothing, special updates, and access to our self-love movement community. When you support this podcast using the link in the description, we'll send you a Spirit of Self-Love shirt, and you'll also receive this month's bonus episode called Awakening Our Joy. Help us continue to connect, empower, and inspire others by signing up at patreon.com slash spirit of self-love podcast. Remember to please share this podcast with anyone and everyone you love. Enjoy. Allegretta Alive is a self-love coach, empowerment speaker, spiritual awakening guide, and adoptee advocate. In the self-love movement, there are no followers, only leaders creators of their own joy, heroes of their own story, champions of a compassionate world. The Spirit of Self-Love podcast reminds us that we are all miraculous beings with purpose and can help humanity elevate and evolve by returning within. Do you remember who you really are? Our featured guest on Spirit of Self-Love podcast today is Lisa Estrella Yang, also known as Liv. She discovered the pure joy of expressing herself through nail art at a young age as an outlet to cope with bullying and depression. During college, she created a grassroots movement called Pro Self-Esteem and brought young women from all over campus together to talk about overcoming beauty standards while beautifying their nails. In 2014, Lisa was selected top four out of over 16,000 submissions in Sally Hansen's nationwide I Heart Nail Art competition. Today, through her own business called Faceted Beauty, she works to make nail art manicures more accessible for multifaceted beauties from around the world in the comfort of their own homes. Beauty goes beyond a one-size-fits-all. Be a part of Faceted Beauty's mission today and sign up at facetedbeauty.com. You can follow her journey on Instagram at a positive beauty and at Faceted Beauty. The links are in the description of this episode. I'm so excited to share and showcase the light of live with you today. We talk about experiencing opportunities and pain when relationships evolve, making our younger selves feel proud of who we've become, building intimacy, and one of our favorite topics on Spirit of Self-Love podcast, how to speak our truth with love and not with fear. Thank you, Liv, for your courage to show up in the world honestly and with an open heart. Thank you for sharing your story with us, and thank you for empowering everyone who is listening today to trust that we are strong and can become everything our younger selves dreamed of becoming. Our conversation starts now. Enjoy. I would say every relationship that I've had held a level of significance in my identity. But if we're talking romantically, Right. It doesn't have to be romantically. All relationships in my life that I've held um, close to my heart have definitely held significance. Um, you know, of course, you know, starting with family, like my roots, my foundation, 
even with with family members who have passed, like that relation, those relationships that I've held with them too will always live on with me forever, even though they're no longer here with me. Um, and, you know, friends too. I love the fact that friendships are ever flowing. They're a little bit more ever flowing than I would even dare say romantic relationships. Um, I feel that at least just how I've set up my life, Currently, like I definitely have friends whom I know I could hit up and be like uber vulnerable with and cry and like fucking wail and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. where I have a set of friends whom I know I could hit up to have a good time and just really get a load off um, after a stressful event or just day. And then I have friends whom I connect with on a different aspect of my interests, such as like hobbies. So all of those relationships definitely cater to different parts of myself and my growth. Mm-hmm. And r- romantic relationships, yeah. I definitely learned a lot about the things that I like about myself and the things that have opportunity to grow that maybe per- not maybe perhaps definitely I have not grown out from yet right and it's a really good anchor point to constantly check in with myself and know that I mean my ultimate goal every single day is to evolve and to be better than I was yesterday even better than I was a moment before so romantic relationships help me understand that with myself Mm. a lot of powerful things you just said there that was like a very multi-layered response and I just want to kind of dissect that yeah yeah I think what you just said there about this ambition to grow and evolve and using people in your life as anchors of that or catalysts for that mm-hmm. and also you said that you want to be better than who you were like a moment ago and also talking about the power of now how do you make conscious choice to be better Mm. I have to slow myself down because you know they say you can have like a million thoughts in like a split second Um, and it feels like you have just so many thoughts going down the same like brain you know tube And you could easily fall captive to being complacent, to just moving about without being conscious of moving, if that makes any sense. So the power of now, I think it gives me like tangible tools to slow down like intentionally. Because for me, also as a flippin' Aries, like I don't like to slow down. (laughs) I don't, I love adventure, I love moving fast. I love energy, I love people. And um, slowing down is really important for me to digest, to live moment by moment. And um, one of the tools that Eckhart Tolle talked about was seeing your feelings and your thoughts like um, windows of a train. You're sitting on a train in a cart and you are looking out the window. You just see all of the scenery passing you by. You can't see the full scenery, but you do, if you watch closely, you see like segments of this really large landscape, mm-hmm. you know, go by like segment by segment. 
So it's observing your feelings and your thoughts in a very similar fashion where you're digesting segment by segment and you're just, you see it, you're not swimming in it, you're not diving into it where you are fully engulfed. You are acknowledging it, you're observing it and you recognize it for what it is, but you keep moving forward just like the train. Mm-hmm. That was a really good example from that book. Mm-hmm. Something that I learned from Eckhart Tolle's teaching and writing is that we only have the now moment to take any action that's appropriate to create your future. And I feel we have this tendency because we've been misguided and mistaught that who we are becoming has all of its power in the future. But that version of us can only exist by only consciously putting energy into each now moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then thinking about nonlinear time in that way, I feel like it inevitably reduces the importance of the past. Mm. Do you want to share more on that? <laughs> yeah, that's deep. And maybe you can reflect on this too, but particularly with past relationships, whether it be relationships that you've had with family, friends, colleagues, people in work environments, or romantic relationships, we can kind of dwell on relationships that have ended or that have taken various turns in different directions. How do you manage that? You just had to hit me hard with that question. (laughs) So managing relationships that take a different form, you know, over time. Mm -hmm. Maybe sharing the same space or no longer sharing the same space. Yeah. But just a different form. Or even people who are no longer in your life. I do find myself reflecting on past relationships often and it tends to show up when there are particular objects or feelings or experiences that just spark it in my memory Mm -hmm. in terms of how I manage it I think it's just going back to like Eckhart Tolle's point of observing of how that makes you feel Mm -hmm. you know if it doesn't feel so great like that's something for you to take note too and if you choose to digest that a little bit more um you know go for it whatever your spirit tells you or if you if it's just simply an observation but you keep walking by you know you keep walking past it like that also is valid Mm -hmm. i do like to observe how i feel around it And from there, I will make a decision of what action I want to take. People change, and I hope so. I hope that people will change. I want people to change. I want to change too. And that's the excitement of life. And I think that's something to really just absorb as as these relationships come in and out of your life. What about you? How do you feel about it? I'm curious. Oh, it's just the same people cycling and rolling around in my head but when we feel like we miss someone from our past it's not always that we miss that person Mm -hmm. or even how 
they made us feel. It's that we miss that old version of ourselves, who we were when we were with them. Yes. So, like, when we're on a path of evolving and growing rapidly, Mm -hmm. our ego mind will try to sabotage our growth in some kind of way by craving this old version of us mm-hmm. craving the people who we used to be around when we were um, a less healed version of ourselves mm-hmm. like a lot of self-reflection in order to stay on top of that and be aware of whenever that something like that's happening Mm-hmm. that's so powerful I align with you there. Absolutely. I found myself recently this year. It's funny. Last night, this is what happened last night. Yo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So January 1st. Of this year? Yep, of this year. Before I went to sleep, I recorded a video of me reflecting. Reflecting on 2018. And as I was listening to my younger self say all of this, it was so inspiring. It was so inspiring because generally I feel like there's that misconception, like your younger self, even though it's not as evolved as you are now, it didn't know any better. I think some aspects, yes. However, my younger self in this video, the shit that she was saying was so wise. And I'm like, I needed to remember that. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me. Thank you for reminding me that it's okay to fight for my boundaries. You know, that it's okay to make these mistakes, but make sure going forward, you don't do it again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was, I fell in love with her again. I'm like, Mm. I miss you. Mm. I miss you so much. Like I miss, I miss this. And this is still me though. Right. And like where, what part of that self, where did it go? I pay a lot of respect to my younger self. I really do. I, I say it to, to her. Uh, let's just call my past self her. Like, I say to her a lot, like, thank you for teaching me, like, for bringing me here. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we went through some crazy shit together, but, like, I wouldn't have gotten here without the mistakes that you allowed me to make. Mm-hmm. You know, so watching that video from January 1st of 2019 was just so wild. So then in response, I recorded a video last night, nine months after. And I was just reflecting, wow, this is incredible. This is, here's an update of all the events that happened since this video. Reflecting, did I stick to what I said? You know, did I learn from anything? You know, what did I do again that I wasn't supposed to do? And have I learned from that experience? Mm. So just that reflection in time and in values and thoughts was just such a great marker of what I want to accomplish going forward. And I cannot wait to do another video, you know, in the next few weeks or months or maybe January 1st, 2020. It's like your own little video blog Mm -hmm. of your progress. Absolutely. There's a lot of power to seeing yourself say all of that Mm. and seeing your emotions. Mm. It's also very powerful to hear it. I love journaling too. I love like many forms of self-reflection, which helps me digest various emotions like forgiveness, anger, sadness, love, all of that. 
So I definitely appreciate recording myself because you really get to see it off paper. Mm. Yeah, I really like that method. I like to write letters to my future selves. And when I'm in the future, I like to read what my past selves were thinking about and were hoping for me. Mm. But you're right. I think seeing and hearing yourself would be more of like a transformative experience. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this, Allie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a lot of interviews, people ask, like, what would you say to your younger self? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love to bring this topic of what would your younger self say to you right now? Which younger self? Can I just pick any? Any. Any. Mm. I talk to my younger selves all the time. So we're talking about the present moment and presence and how the now moment just expands into a new version of the now moment. And with that perspective, I just feel like the past and the future don't really exist in that way and I feel that your younger selves and your future selves are always tangible and can be influenced by our present selves so I think that when we talk to our past selves and our future selves they can pick up on the messages that we're providing them with and integrate them Mm -hmm. and vice versa. I hear my past selves telling me all the time how proud they are of me and happy they are of this really wild roller coaster ride of getting to a place where I feel that I can speak my truth and show other people how much power there is in speaking their truth too and that's just one thing that my younger selves say to me what about you oh i love it i'm smiling so hard right now i might try not to giggle into the mic um yeah that that resonates i feel like my younger self would say so many things but to summarize, like, yeah, fucking go for it. Like, just, I'm so proud of you. Like, keep going. Like, you're doing it. You're really doing it. And I think, I feel like myself now is living the dream of my younger self. Like, constantly. And I have to remind myself and that I am living my dream right now. It's not the ultimate dream, you know, with everything lined up, however I imagine that to be. Mm-hmm. However, because change is incremental, you know, and is constant, I do recognize and I do uh, feel, you know, to my very core that every day I get to live my dream, which is to be alive and to pursue. And I think that magic, that childlike energy is constantly connected to my younger self. 
Mm-hmm. We feed off from each other a lot. What is the dream that you're living now? Mm. The dream that I'm living right now is tied to so many. It has many layers. If I'm answering this question from the lens of my identity, you know, being a queer woman of color and owning a business and speaking my truth, like that has a lot of, oh my gosh, that's a dream come true. That's such a dream come true. I'm doing what my elders and family members would only dream of and would would maybe never get to pursue and speak the truth. So that right there, I'm living the dream. If I'm answering this question in the context or through the lens of, you know, someone who is, you know, in their later-ish 20s, like, I never thought that I'd ever start my business in my 20s. You know, it always seemed like a far-fetched goal. Like maybe in my 30s and my 40s when I feel like I'm more mature, more stable, all all of these like when I am, like no, I am now. Mm. And that's all that matters. So yeah, I think in that context, living it and then just baseline, just being alive for me is living the dream. The fact that I could provide for myself, that I get to fix myself a hot meal and sleep in a cozy bed without having to share it with anyone, that is a dream come true. I am thankful for that through and through. Mm-hmm. Until you want to share your bed with someone. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So we just talked about how you own your own business. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Mm, yes. Or a lot of it. <laughs> yes. Because it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Thank you so much. Uh, a huge accomplishment already and still a lot of milestones to reach. So it's very exciting. Mm. So, um, yeah, I started a company called Faceted Beauty. And the ethos of this beauty company is that beauty goes beyond a one-size-fits-all and why that's important is because that narrative is missing in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrative of just embracing your whole selves and other people and um, not censoring in order to fit into a billboard or a campaign. Mm-hmm. So with that ethos in mind, it's reflected in our limited edition, custom fit, handmade, acrylic and gel fortified press on nails. What does that mean? It means that these press-on nails, because they're gel fortified, they're reusable up to two to three times. They are made out of the same materials that you would find if you were to make an appointment and get your nails done in a salon. So the cool thing is that these are custom fit to you. You get to shop the different trending nail art that is created by reputable nail artists and then have that in production and delivered right to your door in three to five business days. That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited. Why nails? Mm. Because it has its own little section in the beauty industry. For me, it started just out of my own lived experience. Beautifying my nails was um, my, at that time when I was younger, uh, in in elementary school even, right, it was my only way that I knew at that time to help me feel a little bit better about myself. I grew mm-hmm. up in a predominantly white neighborhood um, where speaking my native tongue, my language, Hmong, was constantly made fun of 
the one time I get to wear my traditional clothing to school was made fun of. You know, the things that I ate, brought to school, and packed lunch was made fun of.、Um, and I just felt like I couldn't fit anywhere and I couldn't fully express myself. So, the best way that I found for myself at that younger time was expressing myself through nail art. At the time, I didn't even know that it was called nail art. I just knew I wanted to beautify my nails and be different than anyone else without having to speak out verbally, you know, and cause like quote unquote, like any ruckus. Because I was already so different. So I used things like Q tips and toothpicks and bobby pins to create little dots and like lines on my fingernails. And over time, like just people, my peers at school would, would、um, recognize them, notice them, and then ask, like, Can you do my nails too? So just like over time, like, and then I saw, like, whoa, the impact of nail art is not only positive in my life, but it's also positive in other people's lives. And that brought me a lot of joy because I'm definitely a person who loves to serve. I love serving. I love people. I love helping、um, in any way that I can in that moment. So, to have people ask me to do their nails, like, yeah, of course, you know, just like come over, let's have a play day. I'll like use my Q tips and stuff to do your nails. And over time,、um, as I matured, you know, even in, into college, my college years, nail art was still very prevalent in my life, if not more. Because five years ago, Sally Hansen hosted a national nail art competition called I Heart Nail Art. And it was the first competition that I've ever heard、um, that was open to like, professional nail techs and also to people like myself who wasn't educated and licensed in, in nail tech.、Um, but I was definitely interested in nail art for sure, just based on the role that it played in my life up to that point. So, I submitted my nail art, and out of over 16,000 competitors, I came up top four.、Mm-hmm. So, they flew me and my three other folks to New York to check out their headquarters of Sally Hansen,、um, which is owned by Cody Incorporated. And it was just amazing. It was so amazing just to be able to live that dream and just how wild my younger self, like all of that accumulated to bring me to that point. So, Faster to Beauty.、Um, Is incredibly important to me personally and how it's played out. The ethos of it is like my core values through and through. And I also see it as an opportunity to really breathe in a lot of you know, vibrant, vibrancy into the beauty industry and, and challenge the current narrative and, and to expand it, to build upon it for generations to come.、Mm. So, nail art is a really wonderful form of expression. All of these other forms of expression were mocked, and you were made to feel ashamed of all these other aspects of yourself.、Mm-hmm. Also, it paved this way for you to be able to express yourself so uniquely. Yeah. And that you've been able to make a business out of it. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And. I cannot wait to, to share it with even more people and people who can、um, identify with the values and with the awesome products you know, and use it as a form of self expression for themselves. So, what's the process look like for someone who wants to order some of your nails? 
Getting involved with fasted beauty is a two-step process. So it's capturing your nail DNA, which is the measurements of your nails. That's how we're able to really create and hand make these press-ons to fit you. So you capture your nail DNA, which takes like 10 minutes. And then after you submit your nail DNA, you can shop the trending nail art that's created by reputable nail artists. Um, and you can purchase these press-ons either as like an individual set or you could purchase them on like a recurring basis subscription level at a flat rate. That way you're guaranteed for sure to get fresh nail art like, every month. And you're also in turn like ready to go when you have these events that are coming up either like a night out or a wedding or work event, whatever it is, like it just saves you so much time of having to make an appointment at a nail salon um, when at moments you can't do it. But of course, you know, if you do have the time to go to a nail salon too, like I, like I also support you in that decision of supporting your local nail shop. But we're definitely there for the people who, um, who can't make the nail salon for whatever reason, maybe accessibility of time, uh, financial resources, um, whatever it may be. Is it like a sticker that you use or do you use glue? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are two adhesive methods, definitely using the nail tabs, like the nail stickers, which are great for like a one day wear, or you could use a nail glue, which you could wear your nails for one day up to 14 days. Right, it really depends um, on how you prepare your nails, which are like thoroughly described in our sheet of instructions. Once you once you purchase a set, um, we've also found like our customers being like really creative and using both at the same time to get the best of both worlds of the nail tabs and the nail glue. So they want to be like in the middle and wear it for like four days, you know, mm. instead of just one day or like up to 14 days. So it's pretty cool to see how people use our current tools and adjust them accordingly just based on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So fully support that. Mm. You mentioned getting your nail DNA. It's just simply capturing your um, nail measurement with a measuring tape. Then you could shop the different nail art styles. And then we currently offer three shapes, round, stiletto, and coffin at three different lengths. So you definitely have options. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, it's a dream come true. <laughs> very, very excited. Anything interesting that you've discovered about the nail niche cool. since you've started this business? Yeah. The nail art is a lot more prevalent than we may believe it to be, especially press-on nails. Um, I think when people think about press-on nails, they think about the Lee press-on nails, which was started by a Vietnamese woman, by the way, which is freaking awesome. Press-on nails have evolved so much and behind the scenes. Uh, I think we're just starting like the past five years, I would even say just through my own personal lens that nail art is just starting to gain popularity in media, right? Um, but truly, nail art has been around for so long, has already made a lot of impact in people's lives and generationally too. So just being a part of this industry um, of the nail art you know, community is a huge privilege because it's, we get to start, you know, um, 
we, we get to start with all of the wisdom and knowledge that a lot of people have put blood, sweat, and tears in to this point already. So you have to be mindful of that history and how you want to progress this particular industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. With my background in sociology and gender and women's studies, just those disciplines alone in college um, taught me a lot about being mindful of the space that you take, that you claim, the resources that you provide, just your impact and those values. I just am so excited to instill that into faceted beauty and from the get-go, right? Being intentional, like, yes, this is a beauty tech company that is focused on nail art, you know. However, going forward, just thinking about longevity, generations to come, how do we want to make an impact going forward and make a lasting positive impact? So that's a question that I'm constantly asking myself is, not just the first year of Facet Beauty, but the next five years and taking in a five-year increment and hopefully, you know, generations to come. Mm. That's definitely the goal. For Faceted Beauty, what was it that inspired you to start your own business? Because there was this process for you to enter into the state of empowerment and say, well, I could start my own business. Mm-hmm. And then to create your own business based on something that you're passionate about mm-hmm. and something that makes you feel good. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have to say, uh, wow. I mean, definitely one, you know, as I previously mentioned, my lived experience as a queer woman of color and how nail art has played such an important role in my life of my self-esteem and my self-love and keeping me grounded in times when I just didn't feel grounded at all and constantly up in the air. Just speaking my truth of that, of not fitting in, of feeling censored and invisible, finding my voice and speaking my truth and sharing it unapologetically with people or even at times when, even though I was unapologetic about it, Definitely didn't mean that I wasn't scared to share it. Definitely was scared, but I still shared it regardless. I was amazed that there were people out there who felt similarly. I, many times I feel like you could get caught up in your thoughts and feelings and have this false belief that you're the only one that feels this way and you're the only one going through this right now and no one will ever understand. Those thoughts and feelings are valid too, for sure. For me, I challenged myself to see if that was even true, you know, by sharing my truth with other people and to find out that there were people whom I knew within my community, people who I didn't even know who felt similar. And that's how we built intimacy. And by building intimacy of sharing our truths together, I found that there, we could do better as a community, as a society, as a country, to be more intentional about the spaces we create and take up and provide. So with that said, Faceted Beauty was just built upon that. It was inspired through speaking the truth of feeling 
washed, censored, invisible, and specifically in the beauty industry. I felt like as a woman of color, I had to always prove that I was beautiful, you know? And that's not even adding the fact that I'm queer, you know? Just, I had to constantly, and still have to every day subconsciously to prove that I am worth it, that I'm gorgeous, even though I don't fit in these white beauty standards, etc. I was, I just am exhausted, so exhausted from that. And I wanted to create a safe space for myself and a safe space for people other than myself who are seeking that, to share their narrative, to share their truth of what makes them multifaceted, you know, what makes them beautiful, um, how they see themselves. So that's why you know, our hashtag is we are faceted because it's constantly putting it out there in the universe that we exist. Mm. And my next question would be, how did you learn to speak your truth? Yeah. Because you just gave us all these reasons of why you felt you wanted to speak your truth. Mm-hmm. But how did you do it? Many times in my life, I felt like I was put in a position where I had to decide very quickly what I wanted to do. And I'm saying that in a very general sense. Um, specifically, you know, there are definitely dark moments in my life when I, you know, trigger warning into people who are listening where, you know, I considered taking my own life. It was either sink or swim. See, either I speak my truth now or not. And I decided to take the leap and just speak my truth and not give two craps. And I'm like, you know, I feel so low right now. I don't care anymore. I'm tired. I, and I had to ask myself, why do I feel this way? I'm like, I feel this way because I just want to be heard. I want to be seen. I want to be acknowledged. I'm human. I feel so dehumanized by all these, all of these little things in my environment. Uh, I'm just tired. So me speaking my truth is humanizing myself for myself because I deserve that. Whether or not there's anyone listening to the truth doesn't matter because it's for myself. And once I took that leap and it felt so good to acknowledge myself first Mm -hmm. and to humanize myself for myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep speaking my truth. You know, let's just see where it goes. And in a very pleasantly surprising way, speaking my truth helped me build a community of people who appreciated that and also wanted to speak their truth and, and feel humanized in the way that they want to feel. Mm. That's how I learned to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. How do you feel beautiful as a queer Asian American? Mm. Mm. How I feel beautiful is yeah, just being authentic, being honest with myself. Not hiding. Yeah, not hiding. Not catering to beauty standards that have been westernized. Precisely. Precisely. Like there was this one conference. I, oh my gosh, this is how I was able to meet one of my mentors um, in the beauty industry. She's so fabulous. I went to one of her beauty conferences out on the West Coast. Now this beauty conference, it said dress to impress. How I interpreted based on my own authenticity, it was like dress the F up go the whole nine yards and I so did I I came in there to that beauty conference in this like 
jumpsuit, this black with this black lace jumpsuit with like black heels and my hair slicked back with like cat eyes and everything. <laughs> like I would take that literally like dress to impress. And, you know, I definitely turned a lot of heads for better or for worse, but that was like me feeling beautiful because I spoke my truth and I was living it. Like y'all say dress to impress, this is me. This is how I want to dress and how I want to present myself and show up in this space. Mm -hmm. Dressing up for me is such a huge aspect of my identity and of my life. That's how I feel beautiful um, externally. Internally, I feel beautiful. Yeah, when I am like just telling the truth to myself and to other people like this, hey, this is how I feel. This is how this is making me feel. or This is what I want. This is what I don't want. And like, this is what I want to do. You know, it just feels really good to not censor myself and also in turn not allowing other people to censor me. Mm -hmm. I mentioned before about how people used to pick on you for aspects of your identity and how they helped to pave this path to who you are now. So how do you find forgiveness for those kinds of people? Mm. Because there has to be a little bit of appreciation <laughs> for all the bullshit. Yeah, absolutely. Forgiveness is tough. It's really tough when you're processing it still. I think how forgiveness has played out in my life for people who didn't treat me well, whether intentionally or not, remind myself that I can't control other people. I can only control myself. Mm-hmm. And that just happened to be the decision that they made. Mm -hmm. There's this quote. I feel like you could apply it in multiple contexts, not just romantically. It could also be platonic. I lost someone whom I loved, but this person lost someone who loved them. Why should I be sad? And like, damn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if you lose like a, a friend, someone who's close to you, like you love them. And maybe that's just telling that they didn't love you the way that you love them, or it just wasn't, like, equal. Same in a romantic aspect. Same with just people in public that you, that you encounter. Like, they didn't respect you, and okay. Like, that freaking sucks and that hurts, but that's not, that's not my problem, you know? I don't identify with those values. I'm going to keep moving forward. And unfortunately, moving forward, I'm going to have to process this bullcrap that was given to me, you know. But through that, I will become even wiser. And that itself, I would even dare say, is a gift. Like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Forgiveness is being able to say thank you. Mm-hmm. For the tough lessons. Mm-hmm. So there are people in our lives who have given us a hard time and that can sometimes make us feel more appreciative of people who have supported us in more positive ways is there anyone that comes to mind when you think of people who have supported your path in a more uplifting affectionate kind of way so I'm Hmong American, mm. second generation, meaning that my parents are from Laos. 
born and raised there. And then I have um, some of my siblings who are born in another country and raised in the States. So they're that 1.5 generation. So I consider myself second generation in this context. Um, but some people, you know, out in a different context, would I would be considered as first generation. Point is, is that, um, yeah, I grew up in a small community who they were forced to find roots, roots in a different country that wasn't even theirs in a war that they didn't even want to have, but they had no choice but to be a part of out of survival during the Vietnam War. With that said, my parents constantly lived in fear of being under the radar of cops, of just people in power who could easily take their livelihood away. And that was scary. So that also meant I couldn't have friends. Mm. And sleepovers, oh shit, no, that wasn't going to happen. Mm. You know, you can't even have a friend to sleep over because they might be a spy or something. They might tell their family about what we do at home, which is we have like multiple people sleeping in the same bed because we're a family of, you know, we're family of 13 people. You know, so it's just like a lot of fear behind that, which to me growing up, friendship just was really difficult. It was difficult to have friends. Even though I'm a person, like I love people, I love connecting, I love all of this, I love talking, right? But that would always get me in trouble at home. Um, so in terms of my supporters, I have to say first and foremost is my family because that is my number one foundation. Mm -hmm. With that said, it's just support, gaining that support requires me to be vulnerable and I'm learning how to be vulnerable outside of what I've always known which is family mm. there are 13 people in your house yeah <laughs> yep exactly we lived in a like small ranch home in Sheboygan Wisconsin like 13 people we lived in a home that had like was it Three and a half bedrooms, two and a half baths, you know, just it was wild. A lot, a lot of people, a little space, a lot of food um, that needed to be like served, but very little of it. So just very interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. But humble beginnings. These are all family members? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I have eight sisters and two brothers. It's a huge, huge family. I love it so much. Like, Where do you fall in that order? So I am the third youngest. Aw. Yep. So I'm definitely towards like the baby end. And I get to, you know, like piggyback off from all of the hardships of my older siblings and, and absorb their wisdom. And they're um, ever so supportive of faceted beauty. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. There's a lot of good things happening in my life. I feel that love and forgiveness is ever flowing in my life. It really, really is. I would even dare say forgiveness itself is a form of love. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have one without the other. Do you have any other hobbies outside of faceted beauty? I love adventure. Listen, anyone who's listening to this podcast, y'all could reach out to me and we could go on a freaking adventure. <laughs> that is so like I love it a lot I, I feel like going back to our younger selves and as I mentioned before I constantly 
have this tie to my younger self. Like we're we're constantly learning from each other, mm-hmm. you know. And one thing that I want to be even more intentional going forward is having that. Yeah, having that like, childlike perspective on life, meaning having a lot of hope and love in my eyes. Mm-hmm. You know, some would even dare say, call it like rose-colored glasses. Um, I love it. I want to keep those on. I really do. So I love adventure. I love exploring different cultures, different foods, different places, just completely different experiences like social culture. I love... I, I love love and wherever I can find it, I'm happy to be there. Mm. Creatively, what else are you interested in outside of nail art? Yeah, creatively, I love painting so much. As you know, with one of my paintings in my living room, mm-hmm. that was like the first like full out painting I've ever done. Um, I just had an itch to just paint you know, on a canvas and purchase these supplies at like Michael's or something like that. And for like a month, just every morning I spent like 15 minutes to like 45 minutes just painting on this canvas gradually. And it was just very rewarding to finally have it completed after like many mornings Mm -hmm. and nights of just adding on to it as I continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. And I saw that in my painting too. Did you want to share that poem? Do you have it? So this one is, it's about rebirth. And I do, I have to say, I have to preface this, that I believe that in order to be reborn again, you have to forgive yourself. You have to. That's, that's the only way you can really let your old self die. If you, if you want your old self to die in order to be reborn again. And you mean like rebirth as in like a kind of mm-hmm. metamorphosis. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Evolving. To be reborn in this life. Precisely. Shifting from one version of you to another. Precisely. In a really deliberate, tangible way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very well said. Absolutely. In order to be reborn, you have to forgive yourself. If I don't forgive myself, is extra challenging for me to be reborn again and to evolve to the next level whatever level that may be Mm -hmm. just being able to move forward you have to forgive yourself and this poem is about that Mm. okay you know just about leaning into that change Mm -hmm. i think poetry you learn a lot about yourself too as a poet Mm -hmm. i'm just how you communicate with others Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and with yourself at what point do you expect her to stop rebuilding herself Because like salt, she has been broken down one too many times to remember her original form. Driven to the point where the only choice she had was to lean into the breakage. But this time, harder and faster to reach the core of her existence. And it was there where she found him, patiently waiting with grace never known before until now. You cannot break what was already broken. You cannot take away what's already been saved. This is me. Live, Lisa, Lise. Every form is all of me. And unapologetically. 
Mm-hmm. So to close out this episode, mm-hmm. we mentioned at the beginning how you would record and speak to the younger version of yourself. Mm-hmm. So for future live, do you have any words that you'd like to say? Yes. Don't stop discovering your boundaries and challenge them too. Boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you feel like you set healthy boundaries? I feel like that's a constant lesson for me as a human being. You know, always finding out if the boundary I've set for myself is healthy or not. Because I'm constantly evolving, so my boundaries will change too. Because I'm invested in my self-development, I love going hard on changing, on becoming a better version than I was prior. Mm -hmm. I really like challenging my boundaries and seeing if those boundaries are still relevant to who I am currently. And if not, how much further can I change them or expand them? So for me, when I say boundaries, I'm using it interchangeably with limits, what my limits are, Mm -hmm. and just specifically for myself. I have boundaries that I've set for myself. I have boundaries that I've set with other people, Mm -hmm. um, either platonically or romantically. So when I just talk about boundaries, my limits, I'm talking about myself. Mm -hmm. Because I can only hold myself accountable Mm -hmm. and control myself. Mm -hmm. I can't control how people interact with my boundaries, but I do have control of cutting them off if that happens to be the case, right? Mm. Yeah, my advice to my future self is to keep challenging my boundaries and limits that I have for myself to keep expanding. What are some of the ways that you intend to expand, let's say, for the next couple of months, mm. uh, for the rest of this calendar year? I have to say my expansion is going to be around three things number one faceted beauty expanding that business and secondly with friends Mm. for sure I am always learning how to be a better friend a better presence in people's lives and to show that type of support so I want to be intentional going forward of evolving as a friend people in my life and then thirdly yeah as a professional I think that's really important to understand my boundaries as a professional that I've set for myself like how much further can I push myself thank you Lisa Liv for sharing so much of yourself in your journey and thank you for listening today You are loved so profoundly. Thank you for being here at this time to assist in the evolution of humanity. Thank you for being a leader of the self-love movement. Remember who you really are. Love always, and I'll meet you at the next one.